have a real soft spot for Josh Bailey. Uh, I, I come to his defense probably more often than I should. Just know that we both have a soft spot slash do love Josh Bailey. So that's kind of a deal with the situation. Recapping the week in Islanders hockey and breaking down your favorite Islanders players. This is the Dump and Chase podcast. This is the Dump and Chase podcast. I'm Shane Blackburn alongside Reagan King at sblackburn26 and at Reagan King Isles on the Twitters. Part of uh, Islanders Insight at Isles Insight on Twitter and islandersinsight.com. We are ready to go here. The Islanders off to a slow 1-3 start. After losing the first two on the road, they win their first home game against the Anaheim Ducks in overtime. A Josh Bailey fan favorite game-winning <laughs> overtime goal. Uh, they follow that up with their first home loss against the San Jose Sharks. A late third period goal sinks the Islanders against San Jose. A tough one to swallow. A very nice goal by Pavelski. A nice tip over the shoulder of Halak. But uh, Reagan, let's get into the season. Uh, what do you like so far? First of all, glad to be back. Bit of a hiatus we had, but we're, we're back in business, everyone. But yeah, overall, I mean, there's there's so many new faces on this team it really just isn't the same team we saw last year. One of the biggest things I think we're seeing, and it's it's still early on, and I know he had the one goal, but I really like what I'm seeing out of Josh Bailey so far. Uh, he, he's, he just looks like a, almost a man possessed, like as if he's on a contract year, but on and off the puck, he's been a whole lot better, different player than we've seen in the past. So he's, he's standing out for me. Uh, of course, these young guys, seeing how they're going to pan out, but overall, slow start, but overall, their, their game's not terrible. It's not as bad as I'd say their record indicates. It's definitely not as bad as the the record indicates. Uh, they were in the they were definitely in the Washington and the San Jose games. I mean, they were winning the San Jose game two to one before a tough tying goal off the leg of Thomas Hurdle, and then the nice tip by Pavelski to put San Jose ahead ultimately for the win. Uh, the Washington game, a bad fall, uh, a lost edge for Travis Hamannick, and Daniel Winnick was able to score his second of the game. It still blows my mind that with all the offensive firepower on the Washington Capitals, the Islanders lose to two goals from Daniel Winnick. I don't know lose. if I'll get over that one. Yeah, it's either lose to a guy like that or get give someone their first NHL career win in net. So it's it's usually one of those two, or former Islanders. So it's... One of the above is always going to be the dagger that 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 wins out on on a nightly basis. It seems like Grabner scoring the first goal against the again in the Ranger game killed me so bad. And, As if we didn't all see it coming, though. We knew right? it was going to happen. And full disclosure, um, I work in the studio for ESPN New York, and I was working the board for the Islander Ranger season opener, and Grabner scored, and literally everybody in the studio was giving me so much crap. Because Grabner scored the first. It's goal. well deserved. Oh, you it was definitely it, again, well deserved. You knew it was coming, and I knew that all the grief was coming too. The minute I walked into the studio, you should have actually just had that queued up before the game even started. <laughs> Grabner scores. That Ranger Islander game was ugly for the Islanders, though. Reagan, um, just poor defensive play in their own zone. Uh, they looked sloppy. Uh, I think it was to be expected. The Islanders never come out hot in their first couple of games, which is why the Anaheim game surprised me so much. When we get to that. But the the Ranger Islander game, they just they seemed they don't seem in sync. They didn't seem to mesh. The line combinations were new and different. Tavares obviously didn't spend much time in camp or practicing because he was at the World Cup. Um, congratulations to him and to the rest of Team Canada. 
Uh, I actually enjoyed the World Cup. I'm looking forward to more of them. I wanted to go. I didn't get to go to this one. But that kept Tavares from building any kind of chemistry, really, with his new line mate, Andrew Ladd. Uh, Chimera was there for the first game with the Rangers, which I didn't agree with. But he's no he's no longer there, which is nice to see that Capuano's making decisions and sticking with them. He, he stayed two games with Chimera and then realized that, you know what, maybe this isn't the route I want to go for line one and had no qualms putting who I think has been one of the best Islanders so far, as you said earlier, Josh Bailey up there with Ladd and Tavares. The one thing with Ladd, Reagan, that I wanted to say was it's nice to see someone on this team that isn't intimidated by John Tavares. Too often, it seems to me like some of the other players on this team seem to defer and are kind of intimidated by the talent and the skill of John Tavares, where Andrew Ladd has played with guys like Jonathan Taves and Patty Kane, and he's come out here, and he, you can kind of tell he has that attitude like, yeah, John Tavares is the star on this team. He's the best player. He's the leader. But that doesn't intimidate me. Like, look at the people I've played with. I'm going to come out here, and I'm just going to play my game, do what I need to do, and I think that's the kind of player Tavares needs to have on his line. I absolutely agree with that. The one thing that has really stood out is the fact that he just looks like an experienced player. He doesn't look timid. He's he's it's playing his game that he's always played. He's he's not necessarily too catering to the type of player that Tavares may need exactly, but he's definitely serving his purpose and he definitely he works on that on the left side of Tavares. So I do like what I'm seeing so far out of out of him. Unfortunately he hasn't he hasn't hit the score sheet yet, but overall I think in the long term he's gonna be a solid player that's gonna be great on his wing. I agree 100%. I think the the score sheet will come once they've played with each other for a while. I think Josh Bailey will help that. Josh Bailey has played tremendous away from the puck, and he's also played tremendous the past couple of games on the puck. He seems more confident. He doesn't seem like the same Josh Bailey that made a decision in his head and then took two hours to actually make that decision on the ice. He's the Josh Bailey now who makes a decision and goes with it, which I think comes also from... A guy like Ladd, because Ladd makes his decision, trusts in his decision, and if it's the wrong decision, just gets back in the play, which is something I think a lot of the younger Islanders can pick up on. Uh, sticking with the Ranger game for now, what did you think of... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call him his full name the first time, Reagan, and then I'm either going to go with Bo or Tito after that. Uh, and I only say Tito because when they put up one of the, like, the lower thirds and it said, like, um, Anthony Beauvillier... Uh, from blah, 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 and then it said nickname, and it said Tito. So I'm either calling him Bo or Tito. But what did you think of, of his first game in the against the Rangers? One, I, th- I always like to go with Bolivier. Okay. Prob- probably not right, but we're going to go with it there. Secondly, I'm a Bo guy as well. So uh, past the nickname part, though, a little rocky. I think that's that was known by everyone. It was a lot of jitters. It looked like more than anything. The kid we've seen, they're they're talented kids. They know what they're doing out there, but do they know exactly what they're doing at an NHL level? Preseason games, juniors, they just they don't translate to an NHL game. So there were there were definitely some nerves out there, but the potential's there. It's it's four games into the season. We're not we haven't seen what these kids are fully capable of yet, and of course it's going to take time, but. Overall, hesitant or weary, maybe, is, is the, the, the terms that come to mind with the, the kids at the moment. I agree 100%. And you say the kids, that ties into Matthew Barzell, too. I don't think we really need to delve into his game against Washington too much. He 
It appears that if one of them is going to stay, it's going to be Bo, as Barzil was skipped over. He went, so Cappy went Bo, Barzil, Bo. So everyone, I think, kind of just assumed Barzil would play again tonight. And it was Bo who not only gets the start, but also gets his first NHL goal. So it seems like if one of them is going to stay past the nine-game trial point, it is going to be Anthony Bull. I'm going to go with yours, Anthony Bolivier. Um, I, Bo knows. Bo knows. Bo does know. Uh, Reagan, tweet out that that link to to those shirts. Make oh, sure you I'll, check out his out. Twitter, Reagan King Isles. But um, it it's to me the first game, and I, I don't I look past the penalties that Bo and Barzo both took. Uh, I think I chalked those up to jitters. Uh, the first two games from Bo, he seemed like you said hesitant, uh, like he. His talent and his skill and his speed for Bo, for sure, are definitely there. The speed, uh, the speed is impressive. That's definitely a, a takeaway I've noticed. And even beyond that, the whole team seems like they're faster for some reason. But, yeah, I mean, back to your point, they're, his, that, that's, a, that's a good trait to have. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the speed is most certainly there. I just think the decision-making is still a step or two behind. His physical speed is right on par with the NHL level. I just think his decision-making might be a step or two behind and something that could use a little work. Uh, now, Alan Quine has not impressed me over the first four games. Uh, I think he's played three of them. I don't, he he didn't suit in the first game, I believe, when Prince played, right? If, if memory been, serves me correctly. Yeah, non-existent, but go on, yeah. Uh, so I think when Prince does return from the IR, I, I personally I would prefer to see a guy like Bo get the nod and stay in the lineup and have Quine maybe head back to Bridgeport. I know he would have to pass through waivers, but if if we are looking to keep one, if not both of the kids, I wouldn't mind if they took the place of Alan Quine on the roster right now. Quine came in and was fantastic at the end of last season. He, he was great for the Islanders in the playoffs. Uh, I take nothing away from that. He just hasn't been quite where the Islanders want and need him to be through these first couple of games. So... I wouldn't mind seeing a kid take his place and Prince comes back and then you have Prince and Bo maybe on the line with Strom and then they play more than seven minutes, eight minutes a game, which is what they got against uh, Anaheim on Sunday. Uh, only seven minutes for Quine and for Bolivier. Um, Barzil, I, I just, I assume Barzil's going to be sent back to juniors based on not playing tonight and his performance in the first game. Capuano did not seem happy with Barzil playing the puck from the penalty box, uh, which I chalk up to nerves, but that's still something you can't do in the NHL level, obviously. It's it's obviously against the rules and regulations as he earned himself his second penalty on his first shift. Uh, but let's, let's go to... Let's skip the Washington game. Just a couple of bad bounces. That game really could have gone either way. I think Dallin just kind of started to find their footing there in Washington, and it really helped them in the first period in Anaheim. The Islanders exploded in Anaheim. Uh, they outshot Anaheim in, in that first period. It was some. It was a ridiculous margin. I have it written down here. I just got to find it. I think it was 16-3 to in the first period of that game, the opening game of this season at the Barclays Center. It was a, an excellent game for the Islanders. Did you see anything that stuck out to you that allowed them to get off to that start? I don't know if it was just the start, but it was it was almost classic schizophrenic Islanders. They came in like a, a team possessed, a different team altogether. And it's one of those you look at it and see between looking at the numbers on paper or just watching the game, it's it's one of those why aren't they doing this day in and day out? 
it's just it's it's frustrating from a fan's perspective from i'm sure a coaching perspective although that could be where this is originating from but overall it's yeah there's just it's it's strange how inconsistent and different the team can look they put different jerseys on them on some nights and they could just you would truly think that it was a completely different team I agree 100%. And it's something we've seen from this team for years. It doesn't matter who the coach is, who the rostered players are. They just can't seem to put the consistency together. Uh, starting in Anaheim, though, I do like the new line combinations we have right now. As I said, I'd prefer to see Prince with Bowen, Strom, than Quine, but obviously that can't happen with Prince on the IR. But I like Bailey playing with Tavares and Ladd. I think Bailey is one of the more underrated Islanders. Uh, the fans get on his case hard, I think, because of where he was drafted. His draft position has put elevated expectations onto Josh Bailey. But he is a fine, serviceable player for the New York Islanders. And I, I do like him with Tavares and Ladd, especially the way he's been playing these first four games. Uh, I love, I mean, I absolutely love Chimera, Nelson, and Lee, who, by the way, I've I've dubbed Chimera Chims. Uh, it I'm, works. I'll, I'll, it's in play. I don't think I would ever call him Chims to his face, but I am a big fan of Chims. And and then the fourth line, I think, honestly, this fourth line has been our third line because to me the fourth line has been Bo, Strom, and Quine, and the third line has been Kuhleman, Sezikis, and Clutterbuck. They are, you, you still have the tenacity of Sezikis and Clutterbuck, and then you have the fantastic two-way play of Kuhleman, who now is the Islanders' best two-way forward with Nielsen on Detroit. And you also have much, much more offensive upside from this line with Matty Martin no longer on it and Kuhleman taking that place. Yeah, and even just to touch on that piece a little bit with the whole the Matt and Martin departure, something that really stuck out is the fact that they're, they're take, uh, a big-time notorious play for Matt Martin was get to the blue line, could have had all the space in the world, still going to dump it in nine times out of ten yep something i'm noticing now is that they are starting to, to enter the zone a bit more which is great to see they're actually going to possess the puck a bit more and you know a guy like chimera too especially he he can skate he deceivingly quick speed which for some reason i had overlooked going into the season but definitely got some wheels especially at 37 years old so it, it is nice to see that they're taking a bit of a different approach rather than just dump the puck into the zone and see what they can make out of it. They're actually trying to control the zone a bit and get some scoring chances. So that is nice to see, although the getting the puck to the net has been a bit of a struggle so far this season. But overall, do like that that change of pace that we didn't typically see, especially from like a fourth line or, or um, you know, just the Matt and Martins of the world. Yeah, and to me, you can't turn them into the third line they've become with Matt Martin on it. I think Kuhleman helps with that. It helps you feel comfortable playing them more than playing the Quine and Strom line. Uh, so I'm a big fan of the line changes. Now, on the defensive side, uh, I get the the ideal. I, I, get the, I get the appeal of Letty and Hamannick playing together, but in reality, it just has not worked. I mean, they, they're your two best defensemen. You figure they would be a good shutdown pair. They just have not meshed well they have not played well together the first four games of the season it seems like every time I turn around and the two of them are on the ice yes they're great once once they're moving the puck upward but it seems like they, they just get dominated in the defensive zone and I don't know what you could do there I guess you can go back to Letty Boychuk uh, and maybe Dehan Hamannick again I, I don't mind seeing Pollock come back up I think Ryan Pollock deserves a 
a real opportunity to come up and play a lot of games this season. Obviously, they need to make some sort of roster room for him with three goalies and, and Barzo and Bo on the roster still. So I'm sure they're trying to figure something out there. Uh, but is it just me, or do you see this too with, with Hamannick and Letty? Well, one thing, I'll give the the pros before the cons. Overall, the defense has looked, has looked good. They look strong, but... Yeah, of, of the six D-men that have been on the roster this season, we haven't even seen the seventh yet, which is surprising for this team. But, yeah, overall, I mean, defense has been good. And Hamannick, yeah, he's probably more of the outlier at this point. And I think a big reason for that is because uh, I believe it was Hamannick that got torched on the goal um, in the Rangers game, I believe it was. But Yes. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not against switching up those D-pairings a bit, but... They're probably yeah. They're they're a couple that you expect reliability out of. You expect them to to be defensive defensemen, and yeah, I I mean could definitely see them step up their game a bit. And it's just it's surprising to me with Letty and Hamannick because I think and I also think I may have put elevated expectations on them because of how well both of them played last season. So that could also that could certainly be a part of it. Um, I mean. We're four games in, and Hamannick and Letty are both minus seven. And I don't love plus minus. I think plus minus it, it can be an overrated stat. Uh, it's it's something that can be very skewed based on ice time and, and who you play with, etc. But when your top two defensemen are both minus seven, that's a major, major problem for an NHL team. You're not going to win many games when your two best defensemen are performing that poorly. So something yeah, has to happen, and and more of a team wide issue is they're just not really they're not scoring right now. Again, it's four games in. There's a whole lot of season to go, but the fact that yeah, I mean they're just they're averaging I think what two under two and a half goals a game or so. So they're just really not getting not not getting many scoring opportunities in general. But yeah, that's definitely not ideal to see those guys on the. Uh, the lower end of the spectrum in terms of just overall team performance. But yeah, we to, to see those guys just step up overall would be great. And it's something I think the team just needs to consider because on the other end of it, the spectrum is a guy like Dennis Seidenberg, who's, who's really been, he's stepped up. He's out performing my expectations and for sure. But again, it's so early on and I'm guessing that that's not going to keep up for the entire season. But overall, I mean, I like what I'm seeing out of Seidenberg so far this season. See, the first game, the game against the Rangers, I was a little nervous about Seidenberg. He didn't look fantastic. Um, I think it was a quick overreaction on my part, much like probably a lot of Isles Twitter. Um, a quick overreaction. I thought he looked a little slow, uh, a little old. But I'm just going to keep reminding myself he also played in the World Cup of Hockey straight up to the end with Tavares, uh, against Tavares in that final game as Seidenberg played for Team Europe. Uh, so I just chalked it up to that. He, after the first Ranger game, I think these last three games, he has really stepped it up and has played well, I agree, uh, with you to totally outplaying expectations. You hope that it continues. Uh, I think you don't expect it to continue, but I hope it continues as he's someone who you're going to want on that blue line, a veteran presence, a, a Johnny Boychuk-like guy, I think he's more mobile than Johnny Boychuk. John Boychuk on one of the power plays tonight showed his lack of mobility when I forget who the shark was, blew past him on the far boards. 
and had an opportunity shorthanded against Halak mm-hmm. just because Boychuk wasn't able to beat him back to the puck. Which I know you see on Twitter all the time, a lot of people, why isn't Boychuk on power play one? Look at that shot. And I think it's because Jack Capuano likes mobility and likes puck movement on his power plays more so than just a giant stationary shot. And Boychuk doesn't really provide the mobility and puck movement that the Islanders are looking for on their power play. The guy that can provide that is currently in Bridgeport, so someone's got to fill that void for the time being. My thinking is Ryan Pollock is the first call-up when one of the two uh, kids go back to juniors. Yeah, he he absolutely is. And, I mean, at the end of the day, the Islanders put themselves in the pickle in terms of carrying three goalies, which is... I'm very anti that that whole situation. It doesn't make any sense to me. I know that a lot of talk was, was in the summer of, of Yarrow potentially going somewhere and Grace taking the number one spot, but that didn't happen. So not having them not roll the dice uh, when it came to waivers and then waving PA Parento instead, that, that was a bizarre move. But now yeah, they're going to have to look at a guy like uh, Alan Quine who – we are talking about the Islanders. We know that he's not going to get waived. It, he's going to be one of the last guys that they are going to waive. So I do see one of the younger guys going back. Uh, Pollock eventually coming up, and then they're going to have the, the rotating seven D-men with, I would imagine, Seidenberg watching from the press box every now and then. What I really hope for is when all of this happens, and, and I agree with you, I think the assumption is Barzil and Bo probably both go back to juniors. Pollock comes up and... What I really hope is I want Josh Hosang to really make the decision difficult for the Islanders on whether or on whether to keep him in Bridgeport or not. I, I hope he really puts the pressure on them to pull him up. I think he's someone who could be tremendous on the first line with Tavares. Uh, I like Bailey there right now, but could you imagine if you are able to move Bailey to a line deeper in your rotation and still get that kind of production? So I'm hoping Hosang makes that decision hard on them. I know it's. Did you do a, a Jack, Jack Capuano hot on that? You heard that, right? And okay, honestly, okay. yeah, I wasn't sure if that was true or not. All right. Full disclosure, like complete accident. And I, I'm I've been to Boston zero times in my life. I am not from Boston, and somehow a Boston accent comes out when I speak sometimes, and I apologize. Well, that was impressive. But <laughs> getting back to my point, now actually you made me completely forget. So we're actually gonna have to move on from whatever we we're talking about. <laughs> Thanks, Jack. Oh, Dump and Chase podcast in midseason form already. Four games in. I love it. But um, I don't know. I I think Pollock is going to fill that power play one void. I think Letty is fantastic on it. Letty brings you the mobility and the puck movement that they like. But aside from Tavares, they really don't have a puck shooter on power play one because power play one right now has been Lad Tavares. I guess if I remember this correctly, Lad Tavares Strom. Letty and I believe Bailey, right? I believe it's been Bailey. Yeah, there's yeah, Bailey's been on power play. So there's really besides Tavares, there really isn't a puck shooter. So if you bring up Pollock, Pollock can essentially replace Letty or replace a Strom, and then you go two defensemen again because Pollock and Letty are like having a fourth and fifth forward anyway, because they both move the puck so well and are so mobile that it doesn't really it doesn't really count as having two defensemen because both of them could act as forwards. So you could even do that. And then you have a defenseman in Pollock who can move the puck but also has a complete cannon of a shot that rivals Boychuk's with the mobility the Islanders like on the power play. 
Yeah, and to your point, which we can actually revisit what we were talking about, because I know someone listening would probably be a, a bit upset that we stopped talking about Josh saying, but <laughs> right. yeah, ha- having a guy like that, though, just he's pure electric. Like, yeah, that's the only way to describe him. He just between he he's almost seems like he, he has potential to be the Odell Beckham of, of the the Islanders and I take like that, that for analogy. the good or the bad, whichever way you want to look at it. But he's a guy that just looks like he can always bring that spark and that energy to the team. But yeah, having a guy like that on the power play where just even creating the space for, for Tavares and letting him do some of the work because right now it is a lot of Tavares and I mean, well, power play, there's just a whole lot of nothing going on right now. So, you know, one for 11 so far through four games uh, under 10% power play percentage. Yeah, I'm I'm very open to mixing that that up a bit, and and like you said, if if uh, Josh O'Sang can make it difficult for for the coaching staff to make some decisions, then so be it. But this team definitely feels like it's kind of on the brink of either taking a big step forward or a major step backwards because it's a lot of young guys, a lot of new faces, like we said earlier. So they've got to almost make a decision here in which direction they want to take this team. And I. Getting younger seems to be a real Islanders thing to do lately, so I, I can definitely see it happening sooner than later, especially if the two kids go back to juniors, which that decision is going to have to be made pretty soon. Uh, and like I said, let, let's let's throw the question out there. Uh, I'm going to throw it out for Twitter so you guys can tweet at us, at, at sblackburn26 and at reagankingisles. Do you think one, both, or neither stay with the team and if you think it's one who do you think it is bolivia i think that's a, that's a no-brainer for me i, I don't see barzel st- sticking around i mean the fact that he's already he's watching games from from the sky uh bows i actually do think they keep bow past the nine games i just i don't i just who are they going to fill that roster with i don't know if he actually goes back so i think he may stay around Barzell heading back to juniors. Or, sorry, Bridgeport juniors. Now I'm confusing myself. Uh, def, uh, juniors for, for Barzell. He'd be going back to... Because I think he's still 18 or 19, so he can't quite go to Bridgeport yet, which that's one of those rules that I think just confuses literally everybody because you have to figure out when they were born, if they're born past the deadline, can they go to Bridgeport, can they not go to Bridgeport. But uh, Barzell and Bo would both go back to, to juniors. Uh, right now... I agree with you. I think Bolivier is the guy who stays and Barzil is the guy who goes back to juniors. But the point I was making before and, and that you elaborated on also is I really hope Hosang makes that decision hard on them because, like you said, he can be that electric spark they need. Uh, but with that, let's get into a nice little segment I want to do every week, and I'm just going to call it Player of the Week, where we each pick who we think was the Islanders' Player of the Week. <laughs> the dump and chase podcast player of the week i think this week it might be the same guy so listeners deal with it it's gonna be the same guy i know it is and we haven't discussed this before so i just want to throw that out there but we know it's gonna be the same player i'm like i'm 90 percent sure and i almost picked someone else just to not pick the same guy because i assumed i knew who you were picking but i couldn't bring myself to pick anyone else uh so i'll let you go first number 12 Top line right winger Josh Bailey. I love it. I love it. Give me a give me a little a little recap why. I mean the the biggest sticking point is that goal. Let's let's be real. If he doesn't score that goal, then he's probably not in this this conversation right now. But 
outside of that goal, I mean, he's looked great. Like I, I mentioned this earlier, he has looked like a completely different player, and I don't know what it is or why. It someone I meant someone mentioned on Twitter it may have been Shannon Hogan or someone along those lines, but there's potential it may have just be dad strength. He did have a child over the summer, and maybe that's what it is. It's, he's just uh, he's playing for his family now. I don't know what it is, but he definitely just looks like a smarter player, a more confident player. One of the issues I always had with with Bailey is that he's a guy that he has a great shot, but he doesn't use it, and he looks to make the play before to pass before he can he can make the play, and that's what he did. He took the, he took the game into his hands. He made the play, won the game in overtime. So seeing that is definitely a good sign. I'm hoping he can he can continue this, and maybe it's just that he's he's happy to be back on that first line. But overall, looks like a much different and much better player than what we we're used to seeing for the past. You know, eight, nine, what, however many years since he is the longest tenured Islander on the team. <laughs> With Nielsen and Oposo gone. Uh, I promise this won't happen every week, but I, I'm i going to also go with number 12, Josh Bailey. Uh, anyone who follows me on Twitter. my only goal scorer, Josh, Josh Bailey, just FYI. Oh, I hope so. You, you don't understand how happy I would be. I want Nelson to go for 30, Bailey to go for 20, and then I would be at the happiest Islander fan you've ever seen. Anyone who followed my old Twitter handle, which is at Chase 80 it still floats around, uh, but I have been using the, the new one lately. But anyone who follows me on Twitter knows I have a real soft spot for Josh Bailey. Uh, I, I come to his defense probably more often than I should. There are some times that I may over-defend Josh Bailey, but hey, it is what it is. Uh, but I do it too, just for the record, and I don't know if we're going to get a whole lot of listens, but <laughs> this isn't going to help our cause. So, oh God, no! Us defending apologize. Bailey. We apologize, but just us. know that we both have a soft spot, soft spot slash do love Josh Bailey. So that's kind of a deal with that situation. And but, uh, and I'll say this: as a Josh Bailey defender, there is a zero point zero percent chance Josh Bailey scores that overtime goal last season. He doesn't, and then, again, it goes back to a, he's a different guy. I don't know what happened to him. And, and but he's a different guy. I agree with that point uh, tenfold. I always thought he was great away from the puck. He, he was a great supplemental player, someone who made the right decisions defensively, was always smart, always in the right spot, but as you said, hesitated far too often with his shot. And so far this season, I haven't seen that. I agree with you 100%. And I'm hoping Josh Bailey is the player of the week, more weeks to come going forward to this season, because I think in order for the Islanders to be successful... They need more than just Tavares to be contributing. They need guys like Bailey to really step up and play the way he has been these first four or so games. Uh, let's look ahead really quick, Reagan. Friday, we have the Coyotes coming in to Barclays to play the Islanders. The Islanders start a lot at home, and I think that could be really helpful. Obviously, they lost tonight against San Jose, but I think the, the span to start at home could really be good for the Islanders. I will actually be at Friday night against Arizona. Should be fun to see Strom versus Strom, too, if Dylan stays in the lineup. Dylan Strom, Ryan's brother for Arizona, made his NHL debut tonight. So it With could be point, interesting to see that. We did have a point from the time we're recording. So it can be very interesting to see the Strom versus Strom dynamic. Could be fun to watch. A game I think the Islanders have to win. You don't want to start the season one and four. You don't want to start the season one and two at home. So I think that it's it's way too early in the season for a must-win game for the Islanders, but it's one you'd definitely like to see them win and kind of have an Anaheim-type game, minus the late tying goal, something that the Islanders have done for years. I think we kind of just have to 
get used to them giving up late goals. Yeah, that's someone mentioned it. If they can pull those numbers together, because I would love to see that. That and how many broken sticks have been have occurred during like power plays or man advantages of sorts. So we saw another one with Tavares tonight. But yeah, eight of the nine next games at Barclays Center. So like you said, I mean, you have to you got to get some of these and, and start. You got to start scoring a bit more. You know, to win games, you got to score more than the opponent. Pretty important. So. You know, taking that eight of the nine, you, you just you got to get some points here. You know, you can't you can't fall too far behind in this league, and they have a good team. It's just they have to start playing, picking up their pace of play, and doing it in front of the home crowd should definitely help. The only nice thing about this swing also is they are only losing two point games. None of these are four point swings. It's all Western Conference teams for, for these next couple of games. I mean, it was Anaheim, San Jose, Arizona, Minnesota. So the West Coast swings do ease the sting ever so slightly when you do lose these games. The first two games obviously hurt because not only are they conference rivals, they're also division rivals in the Rangers and the Caps. But I, that does help a little bit. But the the Islanders need to figure something out. They need to turn something around this season and and push and start racking in some of these points. They have Minnesota after the Arizona game. I believe that's on Sunday, the 23rd. Uh, so that's another game to look at, Minnesota. Can be a good. I think Minnesota's kind of in the same boat as the Islanders, where they can be a good team, but they're not quite there yet. So that maybe the maybe the Islanders of the Central Division. I I would I would go so far to say that. So that that's a that's a big game. I think the key is going to be how they perform on Friday against Arizona. Arizona, a team you expect the Islanders to beat. They're a young team, up and coming. They're not quite there yet. It's a team that you hope the Islanders can kind of find their footing against. I mean, they beat a team like Anaheim. And that team, that that win took guts and it took some some digging deep from the Islanders, especially from guys like Bailey. So they're able to do that. You assume that they'll be able to find themselves against a team like Arizona and hope they could push forward. Uh, another thing on the Dump and Chase podcast, Reagan, that I'm going to try and do this this season this year around is get some tweets from you guys on Twitter and uh, respond to you guys so that way give you guys some interaction, get you guys on here to tweet at us. We'll respond. You guys could tweet back to our responses and, uh, you know, build a nice little dump and chase podcast community on Twitter, which as I'm saying that I'm terrified. I don't know if I actually want to do this anymore, but let's give it a shot. Uh, Chris Vigel, I'm assuming V E I G L the underscore flying underscore V underscore 19 obnoxious Twitter handle buddy. Uh, but he says, <laughs> do you wish we could decline penalties considering how bad our power play has been through three games? What's the fix? So this obviously came after the Anaheim game before the San Jose game tonight. So three games in, tough power play. Uh, no, I don't want to decline penalties. Uh, I also don't think that's even possible. If it was, the Islanders should have been doing it for years because the power play has struggled for as far back as I can remember. That quick um, side note, it's not possible. Okay. Which stinks because it could be something interesting to watch. Uh, and Reagan, what's the fix? Me and you talked about that a bit uh, off the air. We were talking about wh- what the potential power play fix could be. We also talked about it a bit earlier in the show, actually. We, we brought up some of the points that I wanted to save for this. We both said something along the lines of bring Pollock up. And allow him to be mobile and provide the shot. But the one thing that we both agreed on when we were talking off the air was the fact that they force too many pucks. And to me, they try to force too many things through Tavares. 
it's almost like every, the other four players on the power play kind of defer to Tavares and just say, hey, we'll throw the puck to 91, let him do his thing and hope it works, rather than saying, all right, I have the puck, let me own this and let me make something happen on my end. Yeah, and you know something that you notice other teams do, and an example even being was at even strength tonight on the, the Sharks' third goal of the night. So 5v5, they're, they're still moving the puck around the zone, and they just get a, a shot from the point on net, deflected in, and it was, you know, it was a freak goal. Not something that Halak really had a shot at stopping, but taking that concept to the power play, it's, I know it's a wild idea, but the fact that they're just not really controlling the zone, moving the puck around, getting those open looks, or just getting someone in front of the net, it seems like they try to get too cute, and they, they, they're just not – they're really just not doing anything. Um poor passes that are exiting the zone. So then it's just, they're killing their own penalties off or, or power plays off. So I, I, it's almost going back to the basics. It seems like is really what needs to happen or, or maybe mix up the, the power play units a bit, but overall, I mean, there's definitely room for improvement and what we've seen is it's not promising. So yeah, I mean, that that's just getting really getting the puck to the net or just at least attempting to puck at the net would be a good starting point. So during the games, I've been taking notes. So that way we, I know what I like the points I want to make during the podcast. And today, especially during a couple of opportunities, I saw, especially the, the six on four opportunity at the end of the game, I wrote one word in huge letters on the piece of paper I had. No, this is my favorite word in all of hockey. It's a word that I drive into the kids that I coach as heads. It's, the, it's a word that I played with in the back of my mind when I played. And it's kiss. And it simply means keep it simple, stupid. It's, it's something that I've noticed the Islanders do far too much. Is they try and force these ridiculous boards-to-boards passes or squeeze a puck through three defenders onto someone's tape for the lowest probability goal you'll ever see in the NHL it's something I see far too often with the Islanders they try to make the fancy play it's something like you said earlier Bailey used to do way too much just keep it simple if you watch most of the NHL teams that are successful they just keep it simple they make the pass that's available to them they take the shot that's available to them they don't try and force these ridiculous passes it's one thing I see Tavares do and I, I don't get me wrong, John Tavares is a top five offensive player in the NHL. John Tavares is, is a superstar. He's a Hart Trophy finalist. He he's sh- should have won at least one time. He, he's, he's quite possibly the best player the Islanders have had since the Dynasty era. And by quite possibly, I mean he is the best player the Islanders have had since the Dynasty era. But too many times, especially on the power play, he tries to force these cute little passes that don't work. They hit a defender's stick. They go a little too far for whoever he's trying to make the pass to. And if the team would just keep it simple, I think they would be far more successful both five-on-five and on the power play. Yeah, I couldn't agree more with you on that. That's essentially... I mean, they they were... It was... I don't even have the words to describe tonight's six-on-four situation. It was just... It was so poor. And it just... I mean, they they pretty much lost the game with that opportunity there. So, I mean, they obviously lost the game there. But, yeah, overall, I mean, it just it wasn't pretty. And special teams – and pe- the penalty kill has been 
tremendous. So give them credit where it's due. But on the other end, just it's been abysmal. Just one last quick point on the power play is I despise the dump the puck in and then try and chase after it and beat the defenseman to it in the corner. We need a guy like Letty to grab the puck in the neutral zone, skate, and he did it once today, and I remember thinking about it and noting it down. I forget what period it was in, but he took the puck in along the boards, came around the net, and then set up the power play. He allowed the rest of the team to come in over the blue line, get on side, get set, and instead of giving up the puck at the blue line or dumping it in and letting the defenseman just fire it back down the ice, he crossed the blue line with speed, came around the boards, around the net, up the far the uh, far half wall, and was able to set up the power play from there. That's what we need more. We need someone like Letty coming in with the puck with speed, someone like Bo, someone like, like Strom. Uh, Tavares, I don't want as the guy necessarily carrying the puck into the zone because he's the guy you want getting that puck off of the pass from that to then set up your power play. Yeah, and just even beyond just the on the power play, I, I'd love just to see that them as a team enter the zone with possession of the puck rather than the dump and chase and the to quote Butchie, the chip and chase game, because it's just it it's it's pretty infuriating to watch that the entire game where it's just essentially giving up possession and sure it works every now and then they get the puck back and, and can maybe create some offense, but overall enter the zone with the puck and, and really just start creating some opportunities for some guys. All right, so Reagan, any final thoughts heading out for this week's podcast leading into we got a two games between now and our next podcast. It's going to be Arizona at the Islanders and then Minnesota at the Islanders. No, I think really the, the biggest thing is just to keep an eye on on some of these younger guys, the Bolivias and potentially Barzal. I don't know if we even see him play hit the ice anymore, but uh, keeping an eye on those guys and even someone like Halak, who, I mean, he's a sub-900 goalie right now. Again, he's only played three games. It's it's early in the season, but he hasn't necessarily been the one that's been losing these games. Again, they need to be scoring more goals, but um, just a few things you want to keep an eye on going into these next couple of games and um, really just their overall overall play heading into uh, into the eight or nine games at, at home, so... Yeah, we got we have some things to work. The team has some things to work on, and young guys have have to step up their game. But yeah, I mean, let's go Islanders. All right, and I'm gonna close out with this. I wish the Islanders would take my favorite word in hockey, kiss, and plaster it up on the doorway leading out of the locker room towards the ice for every game at home. They could just see keep keep it simple, stupid. Uh, again, this was the Dump and Chase podcast. This was our first show for the 2016-2017 season. We'll be going every Tuesday night. We will record. The show will release some point Wednesday morning, probably pretty early Wednesday morning, if not even late Tuesday night, depending on when the editing gets done. I work a lot, and I'm a very tired man, so I apologize if it's later on some days than it is on others. Again, I'm Shane Blackburn. You can follow me on Twitter at sblackburn26. He's Reagan King. You can follow him at Reagan King Isles. Again, I'm going to call him Regan at some point, and I just apologize to him in advance. Uh, follow. I bet, the, I bet a lot of people on Twitter think my name's Regan. I bet you when a lot of people talk to themselves as they're tweeting at you, they do call you that. So now I they'll know it's Reagan. So can we get a poll on that, maybe? Uh, you know what? I'm going to put a poll up on that. I'll put it up. I'll, I'll tag all three of us in it. Uh, that's S Blackburn 26, Reagan King Isles, and at Isles Insight. Make sure you check out islandersinsight.com where me and Reagan sometimes jot things down that we think about the Islanders. Um, my thoughts are definitely more coherent on audio than they are on paper. 
Just keep that in mind when you read it. I write as if I'm speaking to you because this is what I've done my whole life is radio and this is what I want to do. So just keep that in mind when you read. Read it as if I'm talking to you, not as if you're reading. Um, this podcast will be available on SoundCloud as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and honestly, whatever podcasting app you use, because as long as you have an RSS feed, they're all available now. So make sure you subscribe to it. Uh, check us out on Twitter. Check out islandersinsight.com. And uh, let's go Islanders. Come on. One in three boys, not going to cut it. Let's pick it up and uh, let's turn this season around quick. Here we go. Here we go.